American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of American Timelines by History for Jerks, the greatest podcast ever, motherfucker. I'm Amy. And I am Nipsey Russell's personal you are trainer, Joe. Melvin Schneeg. Okay. And you know how to spell Schneeg? This is the podcast that brings you all your crazy, nostalgic um, events from pop culture history year by year. Yes, we go every episode we talk about a single year, and Amy will cover a disgusting, awful true crime, a gross murder, usually a rape involved, um, and I will talk about light, happy, fun things in pop culture history. Okay. Like Sanford and Son. So what we are discussing tonight is 1973. 1973. It's the it's the third. The third. Of the 70s. Yep. It sure. It, it well, sh- no. Fourth. It's the fourth year of the 70s. Yeah. So right. Because 70 is a year. Yeah. Everyone. But it's, it's a yeah. mind bender right there. Yeah. It's kind of. Um, and we had to take a week off because Joe yeah. had his comedy experience. Yeah, we'd like to start off by apologizing. Those of you loyal listeners who are waiting uh, for uh, an episode, you didn't get it. Um, and you may have unfriended us. Is that what you call it? Or de-subscribed De-tweet- or De-tweeted. De-tweeted us or untweeted us or took off our tweets. But I had to produce uh, the largest festival, uh, comedy festival in Charlotte history. So... Uh, you know, so it was a big that. deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. I didn't sleep for several days. I wasn't around. There was no doing yep. anything else. But it was a comedy festival, and people laughed. So that's good. People had a good so, time. Janine Garofalo was there. Yep. So yep. we are talking about 73. So and back to us, 1973. What is the first thing you want to discuss here? Well, um, before we jump into specific dates and things, um, you know how I got to uh, yes. just talk about some things. Uh, 1973 was uh, the first year that women could serve on juries in all no fi- in all 50 states. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, it was the year that homosexu- homosexuality was first removed from the American Psychiatric Association's list of mental disorders. Oh, that's awful. Welcome to backwards history. 1973, yeah. really? uh, FedEx began operating. So we had FedEx and okay. uh, gay people are not mentally insane anymore. Um, MRI was invented in 1973. Okay. The 1973 Gremlin. Yes, uh, I know, remember that you car. You remember the Gremlin that was yes, made by ugly car. American Motor Corporation? It was available in 1973 with Levi's denim seats. Oh, my God. You're kidding. That's right. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Levi's that denim is seats. hysterical. Uh, I wonder, that is 70s. I wonder if 70s. anyone has one of those still. Oh, somebody somewhere has somebody. to. Probably in a museum somewhere. There's got to be a car museum. Oh, my God. I mean, God. That, that sums Levi's up 70s. Denim, denim seats. 70s are so denim. They I think were. of denim all the time. Yeah. You know the Canadian tuxedo? Denim and suede. You know what the Canadian tuxedo is? No. It's jeans and a jean jacket. 
Oh. It's a Canadian tuxedo like that. I picture everyone wearing that in the 70s. Yeah. I had a jean jacket. Did you in the 70s? You probably I, still do. I might have. Jean jackets are cool. They didn't go out of style. I wore a lot of corduroy. Um, Lots of corduroy. Airbags were first used by the public in the Oldsmobile Toronado in 1973. Okay. Um, and then one other big thing that I didn't have a date for, it's so kind of a larger thing, Um the Rosenhan experiment. Do you know what this is? I don't think I do. It was an experiment conducted to determine the validity of psychiatric diagnoses. Okay. Uh, so the experimenters feigned hallucinations to enter psychiatric hospitals and acted normally afterwards. They were diagnosed with psychiatric disorders and were given antipsychotic drugs. The study was conducted conducted by the psychologist David Rosenhan, thus the name of the study, mm -hmm. a, a Stanford University professor, and was published by the Journal of Science in 1973 under the title On Being Sane in Insane Places. So uh, they they wanted to say that... They wanted to test uh, doctors who were oh, they giving diagnosis. The so they wanted to get a diagnosis of a mental disorder and then put in a insane asylum and then act normal and see if what happens what do they do do they discontinue the drug do they call them cured or what do they do um, or did they just want to see if the doctors were would believe them in the first place well that 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 too is done in two parts the first part involved the use of healthy people as and they called them pseudo patients mm -hmm. three women and five men including including Rosenhan himself he briefly feigned an feigned auditory hallucinations in an attempt to gain admission to 12 psychiatric hospitals in five states in the U.S. Jeez. They were all admitted and diagnosed with psych disorders. After admission, the patients acted normally and told staff they were felt fine and no longer experienced any hallucinations. All were forced to admit to having a mental illness and had to agree to take antipsychotic drugs as a condition of their release. Oh, man. The average time that the patient spent in the hospital was 19 days. All but one were diagnosed with schizophrenia in remission before the release. Now, the second part of the study. Wow. Yeah, isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah, that I mean, is. It's, it's, um, it's kind of scary. But, mm -hmm. um, well, that's a problem with mental illness is that nobody can tell you. Can't you can't tell. Nobody knows why it's happening, and, and you, they can't they, there's tell no, if you're telling There's the no truth. medical yeah, proof no, that yeah. you have it. You just It's like a collection of symptoms yeah so it, it makes you wonder how many people just want to give up on society and just say this, crazy. yeah well that here's the second part of the study mm -hmm. uh, there was a hospital uh, a very uh, prestigious hospital that was upset and they want to challenge Rosenhan uh, and said that we are way above this so we'd like you to send your pseudo patients to our facility and our staff will be able to detect them but don't tell us when they're coming uh, so he agreed in the following weeks out of 250 new patients in the self identified uh, out of 250 new patients, the staff, you know, they were, they made this agreement with Rosenhan that he was going to start randomly sending people and they wouldn't mm -hmm. know when mm -hmm. they, the staff identified 41 people as potential pseudo patients f that are faking it. Yeah. They said we can, we can mm -hmm. detect. Two of those people received suspicion from at least one psychiatrist and one other staff member. In fact, Rosenhand had sent zero pseudo patients to the hospital. Oh, burn. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, so that even 
proves it even further. Right. That they can't tell. It's, whew. Imagine the poor crazy guy who yeah. is there. And they're like, nope, you're a pseudo patient. You're yeah. not really seeing any hallucinations. You're fake. You're faking it. Oh, man, can you imagine how terrifying it I, must be? I also think about, like, the people, the, the fakers, when they dis, when they were done and then the condition of their release, they were supposed to take all the psych meds and stuff. Well, yeah. And then they had to... If they were uh, taking but then them. The, but then the fakers had to convince them, no, I'm not... I'm not, this was, this whole thing was a test and, but they're going to say, oh no, you're just crazy. This isn't, that wasn't a test. That well, was real. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's, there how did they be, even get out of it? There had to be a point with Rose and Han, like would communicate with them. Yeah. There had to be a point where they were like, okay, all right, we're kidding. They are kidding. They're one of my people. But, but they'd people, be sub- the hospitals subjected. were not happy that he was doing that. Like they didn't But know. these people were subjected to psychiatric drugs well eat, that's true anyway. too i mean whoever's doing who, these yeah. pseudo patients could now be fucked up from all the side effects from these that's right but then again it was the 70s so so it's just thorazine everybody already took all kinds of other stuff probably too yeah yep so that happened throughout 1973 that's so crazy really an exact date for it um but but we started that all that shit going on we started the the year was still with Me and Mrs. Jones is the number one song. Mm-hmm. Billy Paul, remember we talked about that last yes, episode? Yes, I do. Uh, it wasn't very exciting. But then on uh, then early January, mm-hmm. let's just say January 3rd. Okay. January 6th, let's say. I don't know. Early January. Yeah. Yeah, January 3rd. Let's just make up a date. Because I know it happened in early January, but I don't know. Okay. But the KISS logo was hand-drawn. Yeah. By the band's vocalist, guitarist Paul Stanley on his kitchen table. Oh. But it wasn't the first time it was drawn. He actually wrote it out with rulers and stuff at this point. But before that, Ace Freely drew it on a poster because they had just renamed their band from Kiss to what their original name was. Once Ace Freely joined the band, they mm-hmm. renamed it. Yeah. Do you know what the band was named before they renamed no. it to Kiss? Nope. You want to guess? No. Wicked Lester. Oh, you're kidding. The band That's was awful. called Wicked Lester. And then once they Ace Freely joined, they decided to call it Kiss. And so Ace Freely drew the first logo mm-hmm. by writing over a Wicked Lester poster because they were already booked to play somewhere as Wicked Lester. Oh, so he or just wrote kiss, kiss above it. He wrote Kiss above it and he used that, I guess, Wicked Lester, the S and mm-hmm. Lester was a lightning bolt, like the Kiss mm-hmm. lightning bolt. Right. And there you go. That's how they get the lightning bang, bolt. Bang, bang, bong. Bing, bang, bong. Bing, bang, bong. Is that... Is that racist somehow? I don't think, okay. No, maybe. I don't think. Bong. Oh, bong. You, you, think, you think it sounds like Chinese people? Well, no. Bing, no. bang, bing, bang, bong. I thought that's why you said that. Ching, you ching, thought Kong. it was racist. I don't know. Bing, bang, bong. Bong is a a drug reference, so we're not. We have to beep that out. I say that all the time, so I hopefully no, it's not no racial dru- slur. No drug references in our No, podcast. of course not. Because nobody, talking about? none of our listeners know what drugs are. Um, so anyway, yeah, so Kiss, Kiss formed in 1973, mm-hmm. changed the name from Wicked Lester, Wicked Lester, but there is an album somewhere. They mm-hmm. put out one album with Wicked Lester. It was Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, and then I think some other people. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't, I'm not a big Kiss fanatic. Like, wh- what? I like the... I what? like the, the you, I know, are, you you're going to no, kill me and Ryan's going to kill me. You are no longer allowed to listen to our podcast. As far as their music I'm talking about. Uh, like, 
Wanna rock and roll. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. Beth, I hear you. See, that one, it. not so much. Beth? Ugh. Beth is the greatest. No, like, it's not. Every young man in the 70s. Beth and is 80s. a very 70s name, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying every young man wanted to be with a girl named Beth. Like, if your name was Beth, automatically. Do you ever sing that to your sister in law? Yeah, she doesn't know what it is. And, oh, <laughs> And thinks I'm an idiot. Yeah, well, she I, that's. <laughs> she thinks I'm an idiot no matter what I say. That's right. I, I got to say, she probably holds the record for uh, being the person who's rolled their eyes most at me. Yeah. I would say yeah. that's probably true. <laughs> she, she, if, yeah, it's amazing her eyes are still in her head. They've mm-hmm. rolled so many times at everything I've ever said to her. Beth, I hear you calling. <laughs> anyway, uh, kiss, but they got a lot, you know, like. They don't get a lot. Lick it up when they took the makeup off. Lick it up. No. God gave rock and roll to oh, you. No. Gave rock and roll to That's a great song. You can't really name that many Kiss songs, I don't think. You're uh, pulling out God Slayer. gave rock and roll to you. Oh, I I like I like I'm the only person who likes late Kiss. Like I love that song. But it's uh so you know bad. they had um um Strutter. Uh Strutter. You know a song? Strutter? Yes. No. You don't know Kiss? No. Well, you know, I want to uh, rock. Yes, I own Bang, that. bang, you. Remember that no. song? No. Uh, louder Than Love. No. Think, or is that Molly Crew? I don't know. Crap. See, you don't know that many Kiss songs. Louder Than Love, I think. Uh, Kiss, let's see. What else do they have? Uh, anyway. Not Nothing. Those are a bunch of great songs. I mean, those are the iconic ones. There's great. One. Those are great songs. Those those, ones every you, single one I every mentioned, single is, one a, you mentioned is a better is a better than any song that was played at our wedding. <laughs> You're a fool. Plus, they wore makeup and they, they spit, that's, they spit I, that's fire. That's why I said, I said this music I don't care this for. This music? The music I don't no. care for. Have you ever been to a Kiss the, concert? Let me ask you of that. Of course not. Why would I go to a Kiss concert? <laughs> why wouldn't you go to a Kiss concert? Well, do they even play together? I anymore? think they probably still. No, I think they. I think they're on their seventh uh, farewell tour. Yeah, they probably are. I they're saw, pretty pathetic now. I saw them like in the '90s when they were like, yeah, when it was all like, like, oh, Kiss is back together with their makeup and everything. Yeah, like it was. Like you a, did see them. Yeah. Was and it they, as and they still did all the stuff they did the. Spitting fire and the Drinking smoke blood and, and, and hang, yeah, spit out blood and like flying across the, the arena. It was great. It was great. Yeah, that is a pop culture phenomenon. I I like Kiss, but as musicians, I don't care for their music for the most part. I just that's what I'm trying to say. Really, Tony Herb had a Kiss. But when I was box. little, when I was little, it was like that was Satanic Panic. Right, Kiss was embodiment of satanic panic. Like, oh God, they're they're drink, they spit blood and they breathe fire. And we did. My brother Beef had all the Kiss albums, and he we played one backwards one time. Yeah, and I've talked about this on a previous episode, I think, but where we could hear it and we could swear. I swear it was real. What did you think? Think it was saying? It said, "I love the evil. It's sweet." That is not even a sentence. <laughs> I know, but that's what we could hear. I love the evil. It's sweet, and you could hear it. Like now, beef told I us what to listen for. I love the evil. It's sweet. I love the evil. It's sweet. Sound it, like that, you know, because it's backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I love the evil. It's sweet. Like that. That's what it sounded like. I don't know. 
It was on. Uh, I don't think anybody. I wonder if anybody has ever authentically backmasked something. Backmask. That's the name of it. I think it's backmasking. Uh, dang it! Stupid computer froze. I wonder if anybody's ever really done that, or if that's just I'm a sure, complete I, urban well, legend. You know for sure that at least you know somebody based on that has like people like since liked, then. Yeah, right. You know, but like, like the in the in the seventies Day or Weezer or somebody probably did. But in the seventies when that was a big rumor you know I, yeah. I just wonder if anybody ever really did well i don't know because we have to move on to carly simon oh okay so moving on carly simon probably did back she did some back yeah yeah she takes over the billboard charts with the first single other than is it you're you're so vain yeah probably think this song is about you don't you're you. so vain I love clouds that song. in my coffee, clouds in, in my coffee. coffee. Uh, but here's the thing about that song: that song is about that person, Warren Beatty. Well, she says you probably think this song is about oh, you. Saying you're, you're talking so, about the lyrics. You're so vain mm-hmm. that you think this song is about you. Well, you know what? They're not that vain because that song is about the person that you're talking about. Yeah, but the point is, everybody that hears the song is is supposed to be thinking, "Oh, this song is about me." Like. Right, but so whoever, all the men that listen to the song are, if you're vain, you're thinking maybe this is about me. You probably think this song is about you, but by saying you, mm-hmm. it is them. Whoever you're singing to, it is about them. How do you know? Because you're saying you. Yeah, it's like but, saying Jim. You probably think the song is about you, Jim. And well, it is about Jim, because but you're it's not about sing- me. It's not about me. No, it's about the person she's saying. It's about the person she's saying is so vain. It's about them. Right. Well, they're not that vain because you're actually singing about them. So they're actually, they're not being vain. They're being accurate. Maybe they're vain in other areas of their lives. I should rename the song, You're So Accurate. You probably realize the song is about you. It makes no sense. Anyway, the clouds in my coffee thing, some guys... She was drinking coffee on an airplane. You could see a reflection of oh. in her coffee. Okay. That. So, but she she has said that this song is about three different men. Warren Beatty. Only one has she named publicly, and that's Ned Beatty. Really? No, you liar. <laughs> no, no, Warren Beatty. Ned Beatty's the fat one. I know that's right. I wish it was Ned Beatty. Squeal like a pig, fat boy. Oh God. Uh, Maybe it is. Maybe well, she said it's Warren Beatty and then two others. So maybe Ned Beatty's the other one. Do you think James Taylor is one? I don't know. Was she in that triangle with her and? Uh, I think. Uh, Carol King. I th- I think. My mom loved Carly Simon when I was a kid. I, she played it all the time. I don't know why she loved Carly Simon so much, but she did. She's, she does good songs. And then Sunday, January 14th, was the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 7, 1973. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins defeated the Redskins by the score of 14-7 to and became the first and still the only team in NFL history to complete a perfect undefeated season. Oh, really? They also remain the only Super Bowl team to be shut out in the second half and still win. You know what? I think the – wait, I think – I don't have to fact check that because I think the Patriots did it finally, didn't they? I don't know. This, they, for a long time, they were the only yeah. team. The 1973 Dolphins and everybody. And they still show them. Like, anytime there's a team that's undefeated, yeah. they're like 12-0. and 0, They're all, you know, 
when that team loses, they show all the 1973 Dolphins. They traipse them out, and they make them come out in the stadium. They're 100 years old. They're like, oh, <laughs> Are they good. still in their uniforms? Still the field. Yeah, they're still in the uniforms. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Hebbity, hebbity, hebbity. The game was played at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The second time the Super Bowl was played in that city, the kickoff temperature was 84 degrees, making the game the warmest Super Bowl ever. Oh. And the cost of a Super Bowl ad in 1973 was? Um, it was probably about, I can't remember what it was last time. Yeah, and I, I think you got it right I last did time, get it didn't you? right. It was like eighty six. Was it eighty eighty six or one hundred and eighty? It was. It was only eighty something. Oh, like eighty five thousand, eighty six thousand dollars, like that. So it's got to be about ninety eight thousand. Oh, you're way off. What? I want a divorce. Eighty eight thousand. Oh, it didn't go up much at all. No. Well, if of course if we're right, if we're, if we're even remembering right. And you want to guess who sang the national anthem? Am I, would I even know? Well, I'll tell you what it what it rhymes with. It <laughs> rhymes with the piddle cangels of flowly schmangels flirch, but Chago. <laughs> <laughs> Something in Chicago. Little Angels of Holy Angels Church. Like I would ever Chicago. guess Chicago. Well, why wouldn't you? Right. You, you apparently don't go to church enough. No, you're right about that. Halftime show? Woody Herman, Andy Williams, and the Michigan Marching Band. There's That's Andy big Williams. Old marching bands. Yeah, the big old crush on Andy Williams. Yeah, he's hot. Was Andy Williams on Hee Haw ever? Probably. I know Roy Clark was, and um, who was the other who guy? Who was the guy with Roy Clark? The blonde guy. I can never remember that guy's name. I just remember Fat Roy Clark. I know he had the the other guy had the the. the the red, white, and blue guitar it had like it was like the American flag. Oh, that's with right. Guitar. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I liked about Hee Haw was that. And, I liked uh, the um, early Mandrell the girls in the corn maze. I always thought they were funny. Yeah, early Mandrell was on there. I remember the grandma with the little thing. Yeah, Minnie Hang Pearl. Minnie Pearl. Minnie Pearl. Yeah, she was hot. Hee Haw. What a yeah. weird show. Yeah, it was pretty Hee-haw. white trash. Haw. Pretty white trash. Like that's whoa. That's like the. Epitome of white trash. Whoa. The, the show is called Hee Haw. Yep. With donkeys all over it. Yeah, we, we're, uh, yeah, it's bad. Anyway, okay. Earl, Earlene Mandrell was on it sometime. I was in love with Earlene Mandrell. Oh, I know. Or the Mandrell was she blonde? She was blondish. There was a blonde, there was the dark hair one, and then there was the one that was like Sandy Blonde. She was like the other one. Oh, okay. She was my favorite for some reason. I don't know why. Oh. Anyway, that same day as the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley's Aloha from Hawaii. His his satellite television special is seen around the world by over one billion viewers. Wow! Yeah, there's lots of footage of him in that jump in his jumpsuit with, with the, the with the lays on. Yeah, with the la- yeah. Boy, he was speaking of white trash. <laughs> No, leave Elvis alone. Oh, come on. It's okay. He's white trash. Right? I love Elvis. Yeah, but he he stole all of his music from African-American people. He, like, appropriated all their songs and music. Okay, I know. Sorry. Well, then you apologize. But I still like his music. 
as as a white person, I'd like you to apologize to me as a person of color. You are not a person of color. Well. Let's get this clear right now. <laughs> you got, are whitey. I got rhythm. You are pure whitey. No, I'm not that white. Yes, you I'm are. I'm going to spit and send it in the mail. You'll find out. Do you'll, it. You'll find out I'm not white. Do it. I, I don't care for white people. I'm the one that should spit and spend in the mail. We don't know anything about my half my family. Yeah, but you're the same complexion as a piece of paper, so I'm pretty sure you're white. I'll kick you in the Hello, butthole. My butthole. Monday, January 22nd, <laughs> 1973. Speaking of buttholes, mm-hmm. the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision. Oh, wow. Legalized abortion. Wow. In 1973. Stopped all of the unnecessary deaths of all these women who went to butchers and back alleys for the same for something that they were going to do anyway and we're about to go back to that yeah i know probably maybe not i don't know but this is not a politics podcast if you want to listen to politics listen to the npr politics podcast Thursday, January 25th, 1973, Sammy Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. and Ed Sullivan were on the Flip Wilson show. Wow. And I think you have something on this date, right? Well, mine needs a little preface. Oh, we got a preface. We got to go back. We got to go way back, we machine. Go, go back to 1972. Back to April 18th, 1947. 1947. I haven't done my research for the 40s yet. No, you don't have to. That season. Uh, Six. Something That'll be like season that. six. Yeah. We'll be talking so, about the forties. Herbert Mullen oh, Herbert was Mullen. born in Salinas, California. Oh, thank God for Herbert Mullen. On that date. Sounds like a bang up guy. His father was a World War II veteran. Okay. He was a strict but he was not abusive. Thank you for your service. Um he frequently discussed his heroic war activities. Mullen as, as most World War II vets. Right. Probably yeah. would. Mullen had numerous friends at school and was voted most likely to succeed by his classmates. Oh, huh. good guy. Shortly after graduating from San Lorenzo Valley High School, however, one of his best friends was killed in a car accident oh, in 1965. That's, that's tragic. And Mullen that's was devastated. Oh, that sounds like it's a life-changing... He built a shrine to his deceased friend in his bedroom and became obsessed with reincarnation. Wait a minute. He built a shrine to his buddy? Yeah. And then he was obsessed with reincarnation. So then he was like looking around at everything. Oh, look at that. Look at that. That dog might be my buddy. I don't know. Later he expressed fears that he was homosexual, even though he oh. had a longtime girlfriend at the time. Okay. So, so maybe he, he was. In, I'm thinking maybe he was in love with the guy that died. Oh, that could be it. Because he had a big shrine to him with this picture and everything. Or maybe, maybe the girl he was dating kind of like looked like a dude. Well, I don't or think that matters. Like, it doesn't matter. Like he. No. Oh, so he was with her, but he was like, "Hey, eh, your piece of ass getting old." I would like some wieners. Maybe. Maybe. So in 1968, the shrine, was the shrine a nude shrine? A nude shrine? What are you talking about? It's what, a what's big a old nude shrine. shrine? It's a shrine, but the guy's nude in all the pictures. What's a nude shrine? I've never even heard of that. Well, it's a shrine. Yeah. You said he's got a shrine to this dude. It's a big old shrine, and then he might yeah. be gay for the dude. So right. is it all naked pictures? Why? Where would he get naked pictures? I don't know. Sneak them. You ever I see porkies? There's something wrong with you. you ever see porkies? All right. So picture? in 1968, he uh, dropped out of school. Okay. He stopped university and started experimenting with hallucinogenic drugs. Oh, yeah. He protested against the Vietnam War, registered as a conscientious objector. Damn hippies. He, he began to exhibit strange behavior. Oh, now strange. 
While having dinner with his family one night, he began to mimic the actions of his brother-in-law, mirroring every movement. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like something you would do. (laughs) I love that. How is that strange? (laughs) He did it it all night, though. (laughs) That's a great idea. No, great. Oh, no. Oh, no. That'd be great. Oh, I'm sorry, Andy. If you're how, listening to this, Andy, I really apologize oh, this I'm moment. Sure I've already done that. How great would that be to do that like at a fancy dinner, though? Like, <laughs> like some kind of like chairman's dinner or something. Just mimic somebody's actions. That'd so that's called echopraxia, actually. Oh, yes. That's a thing. And it can be an indication of schizophrenia. Oh, is it? Okay, so it's a precursor for murder. Also? So it's not just being I want to be a dick and a jerk to my <laughs> family members. What I find what I find is more fun to do with somebody at a dinner is um, uh, people really hate this, especially at weddings and things. Is if you act like you're uh, you act like you're a play by play announcer and you're doing play by play on their they're eat, them eating so what their what their food is what their food's like yeah and he grabs the fork and he scoops it oh he's oh, oh. He dropped a green bean oh he's going back for the was green this bean. muppet oh, you did this to or andy <laughs> yeah. i think i did it to muppet and he got really mad but it was fun it was so much fun to do oh my god uh play Poor muppet. Play. color commentary on uh all right so someone eating in 1969 at the age of 21 mullen allowed his family to commit him to a mental hospital all right over the next few years, he entered various institutions. But wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! One time you mimic somebody's actions. At no, a no, table, no. He was they... he was doing oh, s- lots too. of strange things, like jerking off on poop and stuff. Yeah, probably. Um, he was discharged. He discharged himself only after a short stay each time he went into these institutions. You can just so. discharge yourself. Yeah, if you're if you're voluntarily committed. Okay. He extinguished cigarettes on his own skin. Eh. He attempted to enter the priesthood. Oh, that's just, I like that those are those yeah, are comparable things. That they're both equally crazy. <laughs> and he got evicted from an apartment after he repeatedly pounded on the floor, shouting at the people who were not there. Oh. So, many years later, FBI... What's this guy's pro- name again? Herbert Mullen. Poor Herbert Mullen. At many years later, FBI profiler Robert R. Kessler, and if, an FBI, Kessler, and if FBI profiler Robert R. Kessler has got a quote about you in a paper you know that you fucked up somewhere along the line is that right well think about it why would an fbi profiler have oh i thought i thought you were saying that robert r kessler was like a a noted a very important i'm just saying fbi profiler if an fbi profiler of any sort were to yeah to put you in a quote profile of you in an article yeah. yeah so um he said Mullen had paranoid schizophrenia, which had manifested as early as his senior year of high school and could have been accelerated by the use of LSD or amphetamines. Schiz- right. Schizophrenia robs people of the ability to think or relate to others, and actually they lose brain tissue as the disease progresses. Huh. Wow. In 1971, Mullen began to hear voices, and he started alienating himself from his friends. He took up boxing and began to believe that he was receiving telepathic communications that gave him access to secret knowledge. So he thought he could defeat any boxer by knowing their weaknesses? Yeah, something like that. He or be- did he beat a bunch of boxers? I'm not sure. Did he beat Mike Tyson? No. He began to have trouble relating to the events around him. He obsessively researched the life of Albert Einstein. All right. And he found out that Einstein's death... And the 1906 San Francisco earthquake had happened on the same day. Oh, it did? And it, that day was April 18th, which is his 1947, his birthday. I actually, 
I buy that actually. I'd you buy, buy what? I buy that there's those two events are related. You think? Yeah. So earthquake started to become his obsession. Like not the wrestler. Nope. The phenomenon. Because the there's, there's a big fat wrestler named Earthquake. No, that's not what I'm talking like, about. He like jumps on people and sits on their chests. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so he became convinced book. that he could prevent earthquakes if he killed people. Oh. Yep. So well, I could, well I'm listening. Convince me. So in by nineteen seventy two, Mullen was twenty five and had moved back in with his parents in Santa Cruz. Okay. By now, he was hearing voices in his head that told him an earthquake was imminent, and they only oh. th- and only through human yeah. sacrifice could he so, save yeah. California. If he kills somebody, he yeah. can save California. And he's at this point, he's not taking any of his medication either. Obviously. Well, that's that would be holding him back. Yeah, Mullen believed that the Vietnam War had produced enough American death to forestall earthquakes as a sort of blood sacrifice to nature. But that with the the war winding down by late 1972, oh, yeah. he He'd, would need yeah. to start killing He'd people have to. in He'd, order to right. have enough deaths he, to keep he would, the earthquake right. away. Because the death counts are going down, keeping the earthquakes away. That's yeah, right. he would. It, it figures he needs to start murdering if he wants to keep the earthquakes <laughs> down. So That could be. How do you know? On October 13th, 1972. Oh, the same time Sanford and Son was on, and it was the specific episode, Tooth or Consequences, where Fred... Finally goes to see a dentist for his toothache after all else fails, but because he's afraid of dentists. (laughs) But he goes on that day? Yep, on that day. Mullen beat Lawrence Whitey White, a homeless man, to death with a baseball bat. Oh, that poor guy was just hoping to watch Sanford and Son. White, 55, had been hitchhiking, and Mullen struck him down after tricking him into looking at the car's engine. Hey, we got to look at this car's engine. Mullen was to claim later that the victim was Jonah from the Bible and that he had sent Mullen a telepathic message saying, pick me up and throw me over the boat. Kill me so that others will be saved. I don't know. There's no boat involved either, by the way. There's no boat. But is there evidence that he wasn't Jonah and that he wasn't selling telepathic messages? Um, I'm pretty sure that. I'm pretty sure that. You being sure is enough? Yeah. Okay. So White's body was found the next day. Ah, poor guy. The next bic- victim was Mary Gilfoyle, 24, a Cabrillo College student who was running late for an interview and decided to hitchhike. You know what they say, if you're running late for an interview, just hitchhike. I know, right? <laughs> because, you know, what are the chances a murderer is going to pick you up? Pretty high, according to everything on American Timelines <laughs> so far. Um, it, yeah. This was October 24th, 1972. Yeah, hitchhiking on this on this podcast never ends up well. But on Tuesday, October 24th, 1972, well, this young lady decided to hitchhike to a job interview. Maud was going to be on this evening, and mm-hmm. she made saw a preview for it. Uh, love and marriage, mm-hmm. um, tired of being single, Carol played by Adrian Barbeau, agrees to marry a man she doesn't love much. Oh. Uh, she, uh, a man she doesn't love, much to Maud's chagrin. Also in, on Hawaii Five-0, uh, the slaying of a public health official while conducting an investigation into venereal disease leads, leads McGarrett into the world of politics and intrigue. Also, Jackie Robinson died. Oh, all those three things? Yeah, Jackie Robinson died on that same day while she's hitchhiking. Well, it... Um Mullen picked her up, and he stabbed her through the chest in the back. He, oh. he then dissected her body ah. and scattered her remains along a hillside road. Yikes. 
Now, if somebody would have just told him, hey, Jackie Robinson died, that saved an earthquake. You don't have to kill anybody else. Yeah, that's a good idea. But then he wouldn't have I don't think it would have worked, though. Did now, do you think the employer was like, where's that lady? She didn't show up to the interview. Must not have meant that much to her. Yeah, I guess. And then they find out later she's murdered by a yeah, crazy dissected. guy. And dissected. Crazy. Yeah, Sorry, because... she was murdered and dissected. That's why she wasn't here. Yeah, but she tried to, she tried to hitchhike to your interview, dude. Yep. For your job at Walmart. November 2nd. 1972 still? Yes. Oh, the Waltons were on. Yeah. And uh, and on the Waltons, a cynical New York teenager ends up staying on Walton's Mountain. That cynic teenager was played by Joe Pesci. He killed John Boy. That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good just it? Like it. Did you ever watch the Waltons? Well, it was on after school. Like it, even while you just talking about it, yeah, it make, gives me a feeling like almost in my stomach of coming home from school. Home and, yeah, and the Waltons were on TV. Did you ever watch an episode? I'm sure I did. Like, do you know the characters and everything? Sort of. I don't remember. Like, it's like 40 white trash. It's like 40 people living in a house <laughs> it's together. It's white, 40 white trash. 40 white trash people, <laughs> and they have true. a giant picnic table. Yeah, there's a hundred kids. Did like, you watch it recently? Dirty. Yeah, I watched it for an episode that, uh, an earlier episode, and then I found out the date you gave me was wrong, and it was like, a, a, I wanted to watch. You watched a whole Walton's episode, I, I, and you didn't even I, need to? Because I found the particular episode that was on the date you gave me, and then it turns out that date you gave me wasn't the right date, so I wasted wasted 20 that. minutes. What but I had never was watched. Was it an hour show, watched. or was it a half hour show? I think it was like half an hour, but it was one where it they felt left. felt like an a, hour. <laughs> they left a kid. Uh, Somebody left, some woman left her kid with the Waltons, like, but she wasn't like a baby. It was like a, the Waltons. it was like a 10-year-old. Like they just left him on the Walton step, and they brought it in, the, and the kid wouldn't talk, and they couldn't figure out. Then they take it to the doctor, and it turns out she's a mute. She's deaf and mute. Oh. Uh, and then. Very special episode. Yeah, it was a very special episode, but it was like. That's how the Waltons was, though. It was the same. It wasn't a was funny special. show. Yeah. But it was just like, God, it had to smell so bad in that house. <laughs> All the, and the grandparents <laughs> both live there people. still. And, like, nobody's bathing, I don't think. Look at Stella. She's reading my book. She's just a baby dog. She got it open. She's just a baby. Uh, anyway, the Waltons was on, and Joe Pesci stabbed John Boy and killed him. What? No, but there's a New York teenager. It wasn't Joe Pesci, but. Okay. Uh, so, yes. The Waltons was on. Um, on that day, Mullen went to confess his sins at St. Mary's Church in Los Gatos. So he skipped the Waltons. He did. In a delusional state, he believed that the priest, Father Henri Tomei... Oh, Marissa Tomei's uncle. ...wanted to volunteer to be his next sacrifice to keep away the earthquakes. So he beat, kicked, and stabbed Tomei, who bled to death in the confessional while a parishioner watched Mullen run away. Now that's that's a ghastly thing to hear. Yep. However... Just think, there was no earthquake, so... Yeah, maybe he's right. The witness description of a tall young man in dark clothing and black boots did not help the police, who initially speculated Tomei was lured into the church or startled a burglar. Yeah. Mullen decided that if he could go to Vietnam, he could kill and divert further earthquakes. And yeah, there you go. And you don't, you're not murdering, really, because you're just doing the U.S. a favor, Yep. I guess. So after that, he decided to join the U.S. Marines and pass the physical and psychiatric tests. Really? However, he was refused entry when it was found out that he had a number of minor arrests for his bizarre and disruptive behavior in the past. 
This rejection okay. fueled Mullen's paranoid delusions of conspiracies behind which he believed was a powerful group of hippies. Well, you know, at this time, one thing we can learn is if there's anything wrong or anything bad happens, it's the hippies. They blame the hippies. It's the hippies. This is like the fault. third crime that yeah. we had to talk about that they were worried about. There's hippies. It's always the liberals. The hippies. The hippie so liberals. by January 1973, Mullen had stopped using drugs and blamed them for his problems. I mean, about the same time that Kiss was developing their logo. That's right. Mullen had purchased several guns and decided to kill Jim Gianero, a high school friend who had sold him marijuana. Oh, now why would you kill Jim? He sold you marijuana. Because like, now like, he thinks drugs are the reason he's got all these problems. That's like the one guy you don't want to kill. Because so, however, when he people? went to Gianaro's house on January 25th, 1973. Yeah. Oh, that same day that I mentioned, that Sammy Davis Jr. and Ed Sullivan were on the Flip Wilson show. That's right. God, that had he to be found out that his old friend had moved away. So the, oh, his weed dealer moved away? Yep. The house on Western Drive on the west side of Santa Cruz was now occupied by Kathy Francis, and oh. she gave him Gianara's new address. Kathy Francis had the forwarding address. She said, go to this address. I don't care who you are. Leave me alone. I'm watching yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. and Ed Sullivan, and they're about to be on the Flip Wilson show. Greatest episode ever. So he, he went there, and he killed both Gianara and his wife with shots to the head, oh. then stabbed their bodies repeatedly. That's gross he then went back to francis's house where he shot and killed her and her two sons aged nine and four the the lady who told him where yes to did she at least get to finish watching the flip wilson show? at least she didn't have to live and and know that she led him to the kill murder these other two people that's the only bright side i you can see like well also and she prevented an earthquake oh that's true too so um because francis's husband who was away at the time was a drug dealer the five murders were thought to be motivated by drug trafficking prosecutors later argued Wait, francis husband was a drug mm -hmm. dealer too yeah so everybody, everybody so it must just dealer. be a bad shady part of town i'm thinking yeah prosecutors later argued that the murder of kathy francis eliminated mullen's claims of not guilty by reason of insanity because he killed her to remove a witness who could link him to the gnr murders Wow. In one published account of these murders, however, an FBI profiler states that Mullen killed the Francis family first and then executed the Giannara couple. We don't know. We don't know for sure. About a month later, on Either February way. 6th, yeah. 1973, Mullen was wandering around Henry Codswell. Wait, Codeswell, what, what day? February 6th, 1973. Oh, wait, before we jump to that, let's just fill in oh, okay. the number one songs because Stevie Wonder... Mm -hmm. After Ed Sullivan, on January 27th, Stevie Wonder takes over the Billboard charts while this guy's out there being all crazy. Yep. You know what song? Uh, you Are the Sunshine of My Life. Nope. Superstition. Oh, that's a good one. So, Riding on the wall. Stevie Wonder made a deal. Do you believe it? Uh, he made a deal with Jeff Beck uh, to become involved in the sessions that became the Talking Book album in return for Stevie Wonder writing him a song. Mm -hmm. In between the album sessions, Beck came up with the opening drum beat for this. Bow, 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 it's a great bow, one. Bow, bow. It's fabulous. Uh, when Wonder heard that beat being played, he told Beck to keep playing while he improvised over the top of it. Wonder ended up improvising most of the song, including the riff on the spot. That dude's a genius. In addition to the opening drum beat, Beck, together with Wonder, created the first rough demo for the song later that same day. Stevie Wonder's a genius. Yeah, he is. He really is unbelievable. Uh, so that's a great song. Especially for someone born blind. 
Yep. It's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, yeah, I start, I automatically, when I hear this, I start. Bobbing like your Stevie Wonder? Yeah, Stevie Wonder swaying. Um, and then on Saturday, January 27th, that same day, that, that took over the charts, that same day the Paris Peace Accords were officially signed. I don't know anything uh, about it. Paris Peace, it was ending the, it was restoring peace in Vietnam. After oh, Vietnam okay. War. Um, and then on Saturday, February 3rd, Elton John takes over the the Billboard charts. Yeah. With your favorite Elton John song? Oh, it's Crocodile Rock. Crocodile Rock. It's not your favorite? No, it's awful. It's the only, I hate it more than any other of the How's songs. that start? Yeah. had so much fun. That's right. This song is famous for like ripping off a whole bunch of 50s songs. You know, it's, oh, yeah. It's a song about the 50s, but it's ripping them off. And actually, um, uh, uh, what's that song? Speedy Gonzalez by Pat Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually sued Elton John and they sell out of court because it's part of the... Oh. They, they stole some of the music from that, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like it. And what was your what's your date? To the 6th. Oh, Tuesday, February 6th? Yep. What happened on the February 6th? Um, he was wandering around Henry Coswell Redwood State Park where he encountered four teenage boys camping illegally in the park. Oh, those dicks! They should not be camping illegally. That was well, illegal. They deserve whatever happened to those boys. He walked over to them, engaged in brief conversation, and claimed to be a park ranger. He ordered them to leave because they were polluting the forest, but they refused. Do you think the brief conversation was like, Hey, fellas, you're going to watch Maud tonight? Because tonight I hear... Uh, Arthur moves in, you know, played by Conrad Bain. No, probably not. So um, he ordered them to leave. I already said that. He told them <laughs> he would return the next day. Okay. The boys who were armed with a twenty-two rifle did not take that seriously. Oh. Mullen returned, shot them fatally, and abandoned their bodies, which were not found until the next week. Well, you know. He claimed that he asked each boy telepathically if he could kill them and that they agreed. Oh, they agreed telepathically? Yeah. Then, so that's probably fine. Yeah. So... My next date is February 13th. Oh, February 13th, when, uh, again, on Maud, uh, the episode was called Florida's Problem. Florida Evans arrives at Maud's in a bad mood. She tells Maud that her husband wants her to quit her job, but she does not want to. Oh, so I forgot Good Times was a, a spinoff it of Maud. It was a spinoff of Maud. I had no idea it was a spinoff oh, of Maud. Oh, yeah. So I, I honestly had no idea. I didn't think Good Times was a, I thought, I don't think I knew it was a spinoff. Uh, I think but Florida Evans was before. on Maud, yeah. So that this this drove me into a uh, internet rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. I want to say wormhole for some reason. Uh, uh, just dealing with the subject of spinoffs, and I think that should be a whole podcast on its own. We need spin-offs. to just do a spinoff episode, yeah. Because as I was going, I was like scrolling. There's a whole Wikipedia page just about spinoffs and the parent, you know, and some of them I didn't know were spinoffs. Did you know that there was a Golden Girl spinoff? Besides Empty Nest, Empty Nest was a spinoff of Golden Girls. I knew that. Um, no, what was it? Golden Palace. No. After Golden Girls ended, I had no idea this happened. I just watched an episode, and it's the worst thing ever. I can't believe it exists, and I didn't know this. Golden Palace, B. Arthur wasn't on it. Apparently, the other ladies wanted to continue going. So Oh, it's, B. Arthur it's, was the show. She was the show. So that would have not Golden been Palace good. is Rose... Blanche and Sophia. and Sophia move into a hotel. They buy a hotel mm-hmm. and they run the hotel. Sophia's the cook. Oh no! Uh, 
Rose is like the maid or something. Dumb and whatever. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> she's not. Yeah, she's like in charge of the cleaning staff or whatever. And uh, Rose has developmental disability. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> she but I started watching. I was like, Sophia's an old woman. They can't make her work in the kitchen. It's like she's like. He's like in a, or should be in a retirement home. She's like ninety yeah, and really. senile. We like typhoid Mary. But they go move into this hotel and they take over. But it stars Don Cheadle and Cheech Marin. What? Don Cheadle and Cheech Marin are on it. Don Cheadle's like the manager of the hotel when they get there, and oh Cheech Marin's like the head chef. Oh wow! Didn't Cheech know that and Don one. Cheadle were on a show called Golden Palace. That was a spinoff of Golden Girls. And you learn something new every day. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I'm so mad that I didn't know that existed. Now I want a T-shirt that says Golden Palace. The final murders took place three days later on February thirteenth. Oh, the same day that Florida Evans showed up on Mullen. That's right. Mullen was driving alone on the Santa Cruz West Side when he drove past Fred Perez, a retired fisherman who was weeding his lawn at his home in Garkey Street. For no oh, apparent Fred. reason, Mullen made a U-turn, stopped his station wagon, and laid his rifle across the hood to aim, killing the man instantly. Then the he guy got, was just weeding his lawn yep, on Garkey Street? bright daylight. Then he got into his car and calmly drove off. It was broad daylight, and there was a number of witnesses, one of whom gave police the license plate number. Oh, a docile Mullen was captured a few minutes later at the intersection of Highway 9 and Coral Street. Remind me never to weed any lawns on Garkey Street. In custody, Mullen confessed to his crimes and said that he'd been told by voices in his head to kill people in order to prevent an earthquake. He claimed that the reason there had been uh, there had not been an earthquake recently was, in fact, due to his handiwork. Um, when they searched his apartment, they found a Bible, um, a rosary that had belonged to Father Tomei that he had killed. Martha Tomei's dead. A bunch of articles about the murders. Now, did the police check into the earthquake thing? Like, oh, yeah, there hasn't been any earthquake, so I guess I don't checks think out. they were real. Checks out. The Santa Cruz County District Attorney's Office charged Mullen with the 10 murders, and his then his, then his trial goes on, and that's later in the year. Okay. So okay. that's the major, that's, that's, that's pretty it. much it, yeah. Now, what's he called, the uh, earthquake preventer? The earthquake preventer, that's the right. Earthquake You're, preventer you murders. Should, you should write for <laughs> newspapers, honey. You're earthquake preventer. So he's a hero, basically. Uh, no, that wasn't the point of the story. Well, he prevented a lot of earthquakes. So yeah, I guess you're I'm right. Happy. There was going to be tons in the in there 72 been so and many 73. Thank God that guy prevented them. All right, what's well, moving got? on to February 24th. All right, what you got? We got a new number one song. We can't like Crocodile Rock just sit there forever. So Roberta Flack said, move over, Ellen John. I got something media. Yeah. Killing me softly That's with a good one. Song. It is a good one, but I do find that uh, ever since the newer version of the Fugees, the Fugees yeah. ever since that came out, I, I really, you when like I listen it. to this one, I really miss the one time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you miss the beat. No, just a one time. Just one time. <laughs> yeah, Why do they say that? that? What's that supposed to mean? Two times. I don't know. You don't know what they're doing? I don't know why he says that, but every single time I've listened to this song, mm -hmm. I say one time. <laughs> I'm time sure you do. To. Yeah. It's not the same without him doing that. Um, this song supposedly was written, you know, Roberta Fleck didn't originally sing it. It was uh, somebody else. Was it a country song or something? They seem like they always I are. I don't know if it was country, but... Um, she actually heard it, was thinking about recording it, and then at some concert she sang it, and everybody was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Marvin Gaye like, came up to the stage and was like, hey, don't you ever sing that again until you record it, because that's awesome. Oh, wow. Uh, 
But it was supposedly about Don McLean, and it's not really. It's not I never true. heard that. This is yeah, to be about Don McLean. Don McLean. Um, so the person who wrote it wrote a poem inspired by Don McLean, or the person who recorded. I'm sorry, but it was actually written by these recording artists. They're like, no, we didn't write it about Don McLean. God damn it. Oh, okay. she might have been inspired by Don McLean to record it, but anyway, that's controversy. Yeah, I guess it is. Popculture.us says it's written by Don McLean, but I did. I dug a little deeper. Yeah. I looked at a Wikipedia page, <laughs> uh, and it said not really. So we'll see who's right. And then Thursday, March 1st, 1973, the Dark Side of the Moon album comes out. Okay. And did you know that the album was only number one for one week, but it remained on the Billboard Top 200 for 741 straight weeks. Wow. From 1973 into 1988. The reason? Drugs. Yep. <laughs> People yep. like drugs. Anyone who does drugs likes that album. No, I drugs. don't like that album that much. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Whoa, I mean. Uh, well, you're not doing the right drugs. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, like LSD. Um, yeah. I guess weed, but may- generally LSD. Drugs. Sunday, March 4th, 1973. This is a great story. Uh, New York Yankees pitchers, mm-hmm. Mike Kekich and Fritz Peterson, mm-hmm. they're both New York Yankees pitchers. They held a press conference on March I 4th, know the story. 1973, you do? They announced that they had traded lives. Traded their lives, yep. They, they each other's this wives This included the exchange of wives, children, and dogs. Yep. Although it became public in 73, it actually happened in 72. It just happened. It wasn't planned. Both families lived in New Jersey and have been friends since 1969. How do you know about this? The Dollop, which is a great they talk podcast. They about the Dollop. They did yeah. a whole bunch of Dollop on this. Yeah, so this is great. Yeah, so they just, uh, they were like going to a party, and they decided to ride in each other. Like, hey, let's just, hey, you ride with Suzanne, and I'll ride with Marilyn, whatever. You know, let's just yep. ride over, and then they had so much fun with the opposites. And uh, do you know what ended up happening at the end? Like yeah. one of them still married to this yeah. day. Yeah, and the other one, the other one did, it didn't work yeah, out. Didn't and work and out, he ended yeah. up, basically, the other one ended up taking all everything from the guy who lost, who yeah. didn't end up with a girl. Yeah, the guy who didn't, yeah. didn't have his dog or his kids or anything anymore. Yeah, he had nothing and he's like living, he's in, real, he's living he's in seclusion. In seclusion. And they're supposed to be making a movie about yeah, it with that's Ben what I Affleck too. and uh, Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's got to be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. That's right. But uh, the the guy who ended up not marrying the, the lady, um, he doesn't want to be contacted. He's like, leave me alone. Please don't write the movie. Get away from me. It's a crazy story. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's it's not gonna it's never gonna work out exactly. No, I mean, nobody's of gonna be not. able to swap, and everybody be happy. But yeah, uh, but they and they weren't friends anymore. They kind of drifted apart. But yeah, so two New York Yankees. So Amy mentioned the podcast called The Dollop in Ch- uh, Chicago. Is where they? From? No, 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 uh, L.A. I think. L.A. Okay. Um, I know they were in Chicago as part of the Chicago Podcast Festival. I was gonna go to, but I didn't go. Anyway. That's supposed to be a great podcast, but they're not on Stitcher, so I haven't listened to it yet. Um, I have to switch somewhere to listen to it. But I hear it's a great podcast, so shout out to the dollop. Yep. And then we'll tweet at them, and we'll say, hey, we shout it out to you, so give us some of your listeners. But, yeah, that's uh, – so they don't they don't talk about true crime every year, year by year. And no, they don't, they don't ever do crime. They do different stories. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, 
Yeah, interesting. Two pitchers. Uh, yeah, they um, they swapped wives and families, and then one ended up happy, and the other one didn't. So look that up. And Ben Affleck and Matt Damon might do a movie about it. Yeah. Maybe maybe they already did. Maybe that movie where they say, "How about them apples?" Maybe that was about this. No, that was Goodwill Hunting, honey. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they were so they were invited. Out, they were invited to a party at Maury Allen's house on Saturday night, July fifteenth, nineteen seventy-two. Peterson said during their party, "We all had a couple of beers and we we're having a great time. We were deciding to leave, and we had dri- driven two different cars and happened to park behind each other on the street." I said to my wife, Marilyn, "Why don't you ride with Mike to the?" Diner in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and I'll take Suzanne with me, and, and we'll meet there. They, they, they showed up like from two hours later. Yeah, and they were just all fucking each other. Mm-hmm. No, they, it didn't happen then, but after a while, they had so much fun. Hey, let's keep doing this, and then they started drinking with each other. Two of the people went home, and the other one stayed out, and blah, blah, blah. Then pretty soon, people were cheating and stuff. And then Thursday, March 8, 1973... The TV movie, The Marcus Nelson Murders, airs on CBS. Yeah. That ended up serving as the pilot for the iconic crime drama series, Kojak. Oh, really? Yep. What was it called? The Marcus Nelson Murders. And so Kojak, and Kojak was came back a character on there? Yeah, apparently Telly Savalas or something. It yep. must have been Telly Savalas. Dumb dumb suckers. I mean, you see, you, you see, you see a show with Telly Savalas. You're like, we need to make a series of that. Yeah, that's Telly fucking Savalas. Kojak. Guy. I, that was another one on after school. Kojak was yeah. on. I don't remember that being on. Saturday, so. March twenty fourth, nineteen seventy three. The OJ's take over the Billboard charts with people all the world join hands, start a love, love train, train, a love train. train. Um, the other thing about this song is that are they are they singing about like pulling a train on somebody? No, like I think it's people? I think it's more of a still a kind of a holdover from the '60s love yeah, piece like anti-war and, and stuff. Yeah, all right, it's not pulling a train. They're not you pervert. They're not talking about a a love train. I don't a love joining train. hands. All right, love train. And wieners. No, they're just joining hands. You all the world join You can't wieners. join wieners. I love wiener. How are you supposed to do that? My love wiener. All right. Love beaver. Tuesday, March 27th, 1973. Mm-hmm. The Oscars. I got some tidbits about the oh. Oscars. Let me hear it. Okay, there were four hosts. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess who they are? Nope. <laughs> Carol Burnett, Michael Caine, Charlton Heston, and Rock Hudson. All right. Okay, here's some things about the Oscars. Don Vito Corleone from The Godfather mm-hmm. is the only fictional character to have received more than one Oscar for its portrayal. What? He's the only character to have gotten multiple Oscars for... Why, was it makeup or something? Well, in 1973, Marlon Brando won an Oscar for playing yeah. Don Vito. And in 1975, Robert De Niro as young Vito won an Oscar playing that same character. Okay. Both legendary actors never bothered to attend the ceremony with Brando rejecting the award. Yep. Did you know why he rejected it? Something about Native Americans. Yeah. Or no, he took oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did you know this? He There was a Native American that Sachin, went up there Sachin Littlefeather accepted the Best Actor Award for Marlon Brando and The yeah. Godfather. 
He didn't accept it because of the United States treatment of Native American Indians. She was actually an actress who later appeared in Playboy magazine. Oh, really? Yeah, and if you look online, you can see the pictures of her in Playboy magazine. Oh. Yeah. Naked pictures? Naked pictures. Not safe for work. Okay. NSFW. I got it. Uh, don't look at porn at work. That's a tip I learned a couple years back. Well, you had somebody yelling it out of your computer. Yeah, that's not a funny thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you think it's so funny. Oh. Man, I can't believe you would do this. You hear a responsible adult. I love it. Years ago, when the internet was kind of somewhat new, Amy and I were in <laughs> Chicago, and we were, you know, we had to get jobs. We had to pay the bills, right? We just moved to Chicago, not with no we jobs. We have to tell our life story. Just not knowing anybody. <clears throat> so I'm starting a new job. My first day. I don't think it was your first day. It was my first day. Because <laughs> I didn't, because it, that's very imperative that I tell you that's my first day, because I didn't, I didn't know the situation yet <laughs> with, with my computer. Like, I didn't know how to work my computer. You know, I just. Yeah. I'm just like an admin assistant, you know, in this office in cubicle land. I'm on this floor in Chicago. I'm on like the 10th floor, and there's just cubicles everywhere. So there's no offices. You're just in a cubicle. And Amy sends me, I give her, okay, here's my email address at my new job that I'm just starting today. She's like, okay, great. Hey, here's a cool attachment. Check this out. So she emails me this cool <laughs> attachment. And this is like the early days of the Internet and stuff, so... Is before everybody just knew you don't click on suspicious things. So it was like, okay, this is a cool, cool attachment. Okay, I'll look at it. It's with my new email address and my new job. Let's look at this attachment. And when you open the attachment, somehow it automatically turns <laughs> turns your speakers all the way up to 10, <laughs> all the way up to the highest. And That's then right. a voice, it's like a clip of a voice saying, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm looking at porn over here. Woo-hoo. Hey, everybody, look at me. Porn. I love porn. Woo-hoo. <laughs> and I was so new to my job, I didn't know how to turn the speakers off, or I didn't know where the speakers were, or anything. I couldn't. I, had, I unplugged the whole computer uh, to get it to stop doing that. And I'm like bright red. I'm looking around, and nobody's really looking at me. Luckily, but but I think I unplugged like the, pr- the printer for the floor and everything else. You gotta admit now. I gotta admit now. It's funny. It's not at all. <laughs> It's funny. It's my first day. I know, but now it's funny. But I still had to unplug the whole computer. I still can't believe that there was something, an attachment that could do that. Like, how did it turn up your speakers? Like, how did it? You know who I'll ask? I have a a colleague who knows everything about computers. I'll ask him how that worked. Yeah. And maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but that's how it was. No, that's how it was. That's how it did, right? Yeah. It opened, it turned up your speakers and stuff. And you couldn't tell what it was. It was back in the days when. It was like rabbit or something is what it said. Some kind of, yeah. I don't know. It was terrible. Anyway, <laughs> why do we bring that up? How, I don't know. Anyway, back to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Native American. Oh, looking at Playboy at work. Charlie Chaplin's first competitive Oscar win for Best Original Dramatic Score for his 20-year-old film Limelight. Charlie Chaplin? He won an Oscar in 1973. He did? He's still alive? Yeah, he was an old man. And... uh the the reason this movie was eligible was because it did not screen in Los Angeles until 1972. It was oh. a 20-year-old movie. He had received honorary Academy Awards in 1929 and 1972. Oh. Yeah, so he won an Oscar. Wow. And I looked up the pictures of that, too, because I just want to see, does he still have that little mustache? Yeah. There's nothing, there's no indication that he'd be Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. He's just an old, old fat Well, because fat Charlie guy. Chaplin had all that makeup on to stuff, too. Yeah. He's an old, fat, white guy. Uh, 
You're getting stuffed up like you're getting a cold. Man, every time I, <coughs> every time I drink an IPA, I get um, stuffy because I think I'm allergic to hops. So just keep doing it. But you, but you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's worth it. Yeah. There's one thing that I, you know, it would be like it's like saying you're allergic to sex. I'm not keep doing it. Yeah. I'm gonna keep drinking this IPA because it's delicious and wonderful. I don't care if I sneeze. Well, let you get your priorities in order. I do. I know Cabaret won something. Godfather won uh, stuff, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, uh, this is the first time the two African-American women received nominations for Best Actress, mm-hmm. Diana Ross and Cicely Tyson. Okay. Um, but they didn't win because, uh, what's her name, Liza Minnelli won. Another boycotter of the awards was Al Pacino. He boycotted the Academy Awards because he was insulted at being nominated for Best Supporting Actor in The Godfather noting that he had more screen time than his co-star and Best Actor winner Marlon Brando. I wonder if those two got along or not. Well, I don't know. He's pissed Sounds like that. they didn't. Brando didn't want to go because of the way they treat Native Americans, and he didn't want to go because he gave Brando the best actor. And, so, yeah, and it is. It if, you look about at, him. if you look at Al Pacino, is like the lead. I mean, he becomes right. the... Becomes the godfather. The godfather. Yeah, they should have made you know, him it's all the, about the best him. actor. Um, but Marlon Brando was Marlon Brando. Yeah. And at the time, Al Pacino wasn't a big deal. And yet. Brando won, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the... Would you please turn your phone off? I keep hearing it vibrating. I'm not turning it off. And you keep looking at it every time. You're addicted to that fucking thing. Stop. Well, you stop playing Bubble Bobble and maybe we'll talk. The Yop Charlotte Podcast connects you with your great local businesses. The podcast includes events, reviews, and interviews. Fe- featuring the people and businesses that make Charlotte NC the vibrant, dynamic city it is. The bi-weekly show is hosted by Yelp Charlotte Senior Community and Marketing Director Nikki Wolf. And recent guests have included former Carolina Panthers Steve Isop Sun Smith and Heather McDonald from Cup Crazed. Find out who's making things happen in Charlotte with the Yelp Charlotte Podcast. Good job. Bye. Tuesday, April 3rd, 1973, the first cell phone call was made. Sweet. By Martin Cooper of Motorola. Yeah. And you know who he he, he was about to make the first ever cell phone call. You know what he was going to use that call? First ever call. Who am I going to call? Yeah. If you had just invented a mobile phone to make the first mm-hmm. ever mobile call, who would you call? Would you call your direct rival? Joe Engel of Bell Labs <laughs> to talk shit because you invented the cell phone before him? Yeah, probably. Because that's what Martin Cooper did. Is it? Yep. That's pretty awesome. Yep. What did he say? He said, in your face, bitch. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he said, Joel, this is Marty. I'm calling you from a cell phone, a real handheld portable cell phone, bitch. Did he say, Boom. Boom, in your face. That public demonstration <laughs> landed the Dynatac on the July 1973 cover of Popular Science Magazine. That was the name of the phone, the Dynatac. I wonder if you can still get one. I'm sure they, well, unless, did they mass produce them? Uh, probably. And as Cooper recalls from the experience, I made numerous calls, including one where I crossed the street while talking 
to a New York radio reporter. Probably one of the most dangerous things I've ever done in my life. And now people do it every now five they seconds. Do it all the time, man. They stare at them while they walk into traffic. Yep. Oh, geez. Look at the time. Yeah, it looks like this is going to be a three-parter. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's been like an hour already, and we don't want to drone on and on. Of course not. Of course not. Um, so uh, thank you guys uh, for listening. Sorry this episode was late, so we skipped a week. Yes. As we said. Oh, but I did while we were talking. I looked up, you know, I was confused a little bit about the, I know you're really eager for me to correct this, but remember I talked about the Miami Dolphins being the undefeated? Yes. Uh, the only undefeated team. And I thought, oh, maybe the Patriots were once too. Yeah. But I checked real quick mm-hmm. uh, while, we were, while we were both blabbing on. And um, the New England Patriots were undefeated one season, but they lost the Super Bowl, so they didn't finish the season. Okay. Undefeated. So I'm glad we cleared that up. I know. You could sleep well tonight Yes, now, now I can. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. I was so, really worried about your sleep patterns there. Yep. So be sure to rate and review and subscribe. And to, yeah, make your friends do it, too. That's the problem. We need to get, we're stuck at like 21 reviews. We need more. Force your friends and family. Like your yes. grandmother who has an iPhone, she doesn't know how to use it. Just take it from her. Look up our podcast on, their, on the iPhone and then rate us four stars. Okay? That's right. That's all I'm asking. All it's right. fraud. I'm yes. asking for fraud. And it's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Oh, Chuck Berry. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. You're not welcome in the bathroom anymore. Yep. Take it away, Matt Truman. Matt Truman, Ego Trip. Available on band.com. Matt Truman. And see him. If you're in Ohio, go see his band play. I love you guys. Baby. American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.